Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America, Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about Elon Musk leading the way, not going to take it, saying no to tracking and tracing, also not going to take it, Trump firing inspectors general, not a scandal, and socialist AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, is still rolling. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Well, I don't usually have kind of cultural stuff to share. It's a very political show, but Elon Musk, who is, as I'm sure everyone listening knows, CEO of Tesla, really took a great political stand in California recently. California home among the most egregious shutdown orders due to the coronavirus was faced with the prospect that Elon Musk might actually move Tesla out of California. He went head to head, he, Elon Musk, head to head with Alameda County authorities telling him that it wasn't safe to reopen, no, no, can't reopen, and Elon Musk just announced, you know what, I'm reopening. Just announced it and said, you know, arrest me, take me to jail already. He was actually willing to defy the authorities in Alameda County, California, telling him to keep Tesla shut down. Tesla employs something in the range of 10,000 people. Plus he is in the world of Silicon Valley, you know, the cool crowd. Elon Musk is the coolest of the cool crowd. Very trendy, very respected in millennial circles and younger circles. So government up until now has been, been pressured about the overreaction to the coronavirus, mostly by pretty conservative groups, the people who are protesting, we want to go back to work, we have, you know, we need to reopen our state, our county, our, the country. It's mostly been conservatives saying that, but this is, was a, a big deal in California. Elon Musk stood them down, and then the Alameda County authorities found some reason to say, well, you know, actually, if you follow these guidelines, which they had already said they would follow, you know, social distancing, all the things you're supposed to do. He said we were already going to do that. So he was not conceding anything to the Alameda County people, and he actually stood them down. And that's really a springboard for this Deep Dive Monday. I want to talk a lot today about the idea that Americans of every background, you don't have to be a billionaire like Elon Musk, you don't have to own a company like Tesla to do your part to push back against the government overreach that's happening all over this country in response to the coronavirus. Everybody can do something. Many of us have little things every day we'll talk about throughout this show that you can be doing because what we're really seeing, the reaction of the government, the policies put in place in states, counties, cities all over this country are really the very exact same kinds of things leftists, socialists do to take control of countries. There is a very strong parallel. We mentioned a couple times in the show, very strong parallel between the kinds of things the left is saying they get to do and taking away your freedom and taking control of your life that they did with respect to the climate change hysteria, where climate change justifies every bit of control over your life that the left ever wanted to exert and the same thing's happening with policy in response to the coronavirus. The left is saying, because it's a crisis, because we're just trying to help you, because we're trying to save people, we're trying to save the planet, we're trying to help you. And even if you don't like our help, you, the American citizen, you just have to put up with it. You have to agree that you're going to do what we say because after all, we're doing all these things to help you. That is the message of the climate change extremists, the Green New Deal advocates. It's the same message out of the people who are advocating for these strident extended lockdown orders under coronavirus. The idea that because we're trying to help you and save you, everything you ever thought you had, every bit of liberty or freedom you thought you had can be taken away and trust me, folks, once the left gets more power, takes away more of your liberty, you will never, ever, ever get it back. You need to understand that. Wrapping up in this first five, I will say that Elon Musk actually 
put out a tweet, which was kind of cool because it was a, a tweet, maybe not like a constitutional lawyer would write, but he made reference to the red pill. He said, this is the red pill, as you may or may not know, is a reference to a movie. Uh, is a re in, fact, it, in fact, his tweet was very short. Take the red pill. He put this out on May 17th yesterday, referring back to the 1999 movie, The Matrix. The red pill is the one you take when you actually want to understand what's going on. You want to see the whole thing, see the truth. The blue pill is what you take when you want to remain confused, deluded in the matrix and not ever really understand what in the world's going on. He, Elon Musk, said a lot in a very short tweet, take the red pill. He's saying, you better wake up, America, watch what's happening to your liberties. And now I'm really going to close out the first five by playing something for you. I had never played, as far as I know, any music by a band called Twisted Sister. Twisted Sister's not a band I've ever listened to in a concert. But they have some music out. They have a song out, and I'm going to play a short clip now. I have another clip to play a little later. Basically, the, the theme of it is we're not going to take it. So Matt the Wonderful, you'd play clip one of the Twisted Sister, not going to take it. I'm telling you folks, I heard that song today. I, it just, I, I was finding myself at my desk preparing for the show, kind of humming at the desk, singing at my desk. It's a great song because it has that spirit. I will play more of it later that we're not going to take it. And the reason it came to my attention was because of some people involved in Texas in the protests over the uh, very, very, very slow reopening of Texas, the very tepid, the very timid reopening, people in Texas planning to, some protests coming up, and they're talking about this is our new theme. We're not going to take it anymore. And that, my friends, is today's first five. We're going to stay in the scene, though, today about the idea of standing up to this government overreach is astonishing, astonishing, even in the great state of Texas and around this country, astonishing government overreach in response to the threat of the coronavirus. I'll say one time and not again for the rest of this show. I am very sorry for every person who's had any bout with coronavirus. I'm very happy for the between 98 and 99% of people who've had coronavirus who have fully recovered. I'm glad the recovery rate is huge, 98 to 99%. I'm very sorry for the loss of life for every person who's lost their life. I'm very sorry for the suffering going on. I'm very grateful for doctors and nurses and all kinds of professionals in this country Truck drivers, deliverers, people working in grocery stores, all sorts of people have been willing to step up during this crisis. But where we are at this point in May of 2020 is a huge segment of America is waking up and recognizing this wasn't the virus we thought it was. This is not the Andromeda strain. We do not have to shut down life. And they're watching and becoming more and more alert and aware of the reality that many people in government are using this effort, using this, the response to the coronavirus to spread the ideas of socialism, to spread the power of socialism, the idea that we don't any longer live in a free country. Just stop and think about this idea. Do you ever... Did you ever in your life, until the last two months, wake up in the morning and think, I wonder if I'm allowed to go to work today? I wonder if I'm allowed to go to the uh, mall and buy a pair of shoes? Because they aren't essential, but they're kind of essential because I kind of need new sneakers because my sneakers are blown out or whatever happened to them. Did you ever in your life think we'd be at the point where we are discussing among ourselves at home whether we're allowed to go out? whether the government will stop us, somebody, the police will stop us, the sheriff's department will stop you as you drive your car and say, where are you, where are you going? Is this an essential errand? Why do you think you're allowed to be out of the house? You're not allowed to be out, you know, get back home. 
there are more and more commentators recognizing that the leftists in this country who simply strive for government-controlled society, strive for growing collectivist power in Washington, who believe in Marxism, who embrace Marxism, who want to have big government-controlled society, have used this crisis to move the ball way down, have moved you know, way down the field, have moved the American expectation, the, the way people think about their life and their rights and their freedoms, have been pulled away, pulled away, pulled away, all of the justification. We're just trying to help you, and we're just trying to make sure that we can protect you and keep you safe, which is, as I've said in this show many times, it is not the government's job to keep you safe. That's your job. That's your job. Every individual. You have personal responsibility, personal freedom. The government is not capable of and does not have the right to limit your movements in every direction in order to keep you safe by their definitions. But great commentary today in the Washington Times. It's up at my website, AmericanCanWeTalk.org, running through all the reasons that people paying attention have to recognize. Leftists have moved our country towards socialism as part of the response to the coronavirus. We're so, we're so immersed, not we, but many Americans, so immersed in fear, so concerned, so worried that something terrible is going to happen, that anything the left asks us to do, anything the government says, we say, well, okay, I guess we'll do that. So great commentary, just talking about the idea we have, we have flipped in America, for some people, the presumption of liberty, of the right of the individual, individual to live in freedom, to work, to run your business, to be outside where you want to be, to go to the stores you want to go to, to open your store if you want. We have flipped that presumption, which has been part of the, our country since its founding, to the presumption we wait to be told what we can do. We wait to be told what can open. And speaking of things opening, great information out actually, not from a, you know, a, a Tea Party group, a conservative group, but actually out of our own government. The, the U.S. Health Secretary announced, please listen to this, U.S. Secretary of Health announced, we are seeing that in places that are opening, that, that are you know moving past the coronavirus shutdown, places opening, we're not seeing a spike in cases. Just think about that. All of this panic about we can't reopen, we're going to have a big spike. Not happening. And this is the government that's pretty much so far been of the mindset, at least the CDC aspect of our government, of truly padding the numbers, exaggerating the number of deaths, exaggerating the number of people infected in order to induce and perpetuate panic. But our own government, U.S. Secretary of Health, Alex Azar, said on Sunday on CNN State of the Union that there is no, we're not seeing in the places that are opening, we're not seeing a spike in cases. We also have people more just everyday Americans taking matters into their own hands, pointing out how much the government is doing. And I said at the start of the show, this is your job. I'm going to tell you in a minute what you can be doing. Everybody has to be active and pushing against this growing oppression in our country, this growing presumption that we don't have the right to live in liberty. We wait to be told by the government how much liberty we have. So in the state of Colorado, you may have seen over the weekend, they uh, revised down their coronavirus death numbers, literally cut their death rate by almost one third by becoming truthful about the data, by actually saying, you know, as it turns out, we were counting anyone who passed on who happened to have coronavirus who also had underlying fatal conditions, underlying health problems. We counted everything as a coronavirus, as a COVID-19 death. So they had to revise down, to be honest with their own citizens, revise down their numbers and say, actually, it was almost one third of those weren't really, as you think about it, they weren't even really coronavirus deaths at all. So a GOP state representative in the great state of Colorado named Mark Baisley, he's issued a formal letter requesting an investigation and criminal charges by George Boucher, the district attorney for the 18th judicial, excuse me, 18th judicial district. He's urging that the government consider indicting Colorado's top health official. Now, I don't know the details of the criminal law in Colorado. I don't know if this kind of case can stick, but 
sending the message to government that there is an accountability. You have to take responsibility when you make stuff up, when you exaggerate, you have to speak up. So this guy is saying, this Colorado state rep is saying he's asking the DA where he lives to look into whether or not the top Colorado health official, who is the exactly, it's a woman, by the way, named Jill Ryan, director of the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, of falsely altering death certificates. He wants an investigation into whether she did that. Now, you may say, I said this last week and I'll say it once again very quickly. For those people advocating extended shutdown who want absolutely, you know, who never want anything to open, they're striding shutdown people. Some of them are motivated by fear. Their fear is unjustified based on the facts, as we've been over and over and over, based on the facts of the actual death rates in this country. Their fears are unjustified, but some are honestly driven by fear. Others on the left are not solely driven by fear. They're driven by their, what is the insatiable, unending effort of the American left, or I was reminded to call them the anti-American left, to grow government's power every chance you get. If you have a, you know, don't let a crisis go to waste. If you have a crisis, you have a concern, you have people worked up and worried, great, pounce. Take more power, take control of their lives, do what you have to do so people surrender their liberty. So back to Colorado, one little example, someone stepping up, a, an elected state representative saying, basically, a state official falsified death records, lied to the people of Colorado and so whether that person, that Jill person, the, the health official, falls in the category of she was truly frightened about, uh, about coronavirus and so that's why she lied, or because she really is part of the leftist mindset that says, do whatever it takes to keep people afraid, frightened, sheltered at home, under control, take away their liberty, whichever it is, you can't falsify death records. And I think it's great at least he asked somebody to ask. Another great uh, advance in this, in this whole effort to hold left-wing government accountable when they repress the people's freedom all in the name of protecting them from coronavirus. You have physicians, physicians, doctors in the state of Michigan suing the governor. And I was actually gonna tell you, this I find found mind-blowing, mind-blowing. So in Michigan, of course, Governor Whitmer, who's on the short list, short list of possibly being Joe Biden's running mate although I didn't know if he's going to be the candidate, but whatever. She is on the short list. Governor Whitmer has been among the most strident, egregious, shut down the state, no moving forward, you know, just, just extreme shutdown, using her power to collect, using, in her case, collectivizing power in the state government in Michigan and denying her citizens freedom. They've had protests, all sorts of protests, very big protest, you know, shutting down the Capitol. But in this case, these are responsible citizen doctors. These are not people you might say, well, they're kind of Tea Party, they're kind of extreme, they're kind of radical. Doctors. They actually sued, filed a lawsuit to point out that she, Governor Whitmer, and her order is actually preventing them from protecting the lives of their own patients. And I'll say, in many states, they went along with this because of the, the uh, crisis and the fear at the beginning, because we got bad data giving us bad fears about the virus and how extensive it was going to be, many states said, we're going to suspend all non-essential surgery, suspend all non-essential medical care. So people who kind of needed medical care and maybe, maybe people even had fairly serious problems, but they weren't at that moment life-threatening problems, the doctors were not allowed to care for those patients. So these doctors are saying, number one, Whitmer keeps on saying she's going she's gonna to extend the stay at home in order to flatten the curve. But they're saying, you know, she needs at some point the approval of the legislature because she's shutting down the whole state, that she's infringing on the rights of individuals and their, their property and their businesses. And they're talking about decisions they had to make serious decisions. First of all, I'll be really clear. These doctors are talking about specific cases they have, and they're also talking about, generally speaking, the governor of Michigan is engaged in the unjustified repression of the liberty of the people of that state. She's, they're saying, we flattened the curve. It's flattened here in Michigan. Why don't we get to go back to work? Why can't we open up 
our, our healthcare practices, our medical practices, now that we flatten the curve? Why can't we do non-essential surgery now? Why can't we do non-essential medical care? But this, they're describing this governor as having taken drastic, unprecedented, unilateral executive actions in an effort to address the spread of the virus, declaring a state of emergency, and justifying the restrictions on rights and liberties on the flatten the curve and avoiding overwhelming Michigan's healthcare system and hospital. They're saying, thankfully, in their lawsuit, the goal of flattening the curve has been achieved. The state originally anticipated, here's, talk about how wrong the numbers were. The state originally anticipated 220,000 hospitalizations. Based on the bad data we've talked about, they anticipated 220,000 hospitalizations. As of April 27th, they've had 3,000. Had 3,000 as compared with the 220,000 that were anticipated. And they talk about all sorts of things they need to be doing. In fact, an appendectomy was considered a non-essential surgery under this order unless your appendix burst. I mean, it's so extreme, but I'm telling you the story today just to say this is part of what people are doing. They're fighting back against repressive government. And another point I want to make about this, the government's conduct in handling, in, in states and counties all over this country, in handling the virus crisis has resulted in battles between citizens about wearing masks. You hear stories about people in stores, like in the grocery store, and that one person does have a mask on, one person does not have a mask on. And the people wearing masks have become emboldened, rude, confrontational, challenging other people who have the right to not wear a mask, challenging them, getting right in their faces in public, saying, you know, who do you think you are? How could you be so selfish? Let me tell you folks, a lot of mixed advice from doctors, including a very recent thing that just came out, and this was from the University of Illinois. These are renowned respiratory experts, Dr. Lisa Brousseau and Dr. Margaret uh, Sietsema, wrote and their website and their website and again this is university of illinois professors they do not recommend the mask requirement for people in general public unless you there's no scientific evidence here's their their language these are actual experts dr lisa brousseau and dr margaret Sietzma, renowned respiratory experts we do not recommend requiring the general public who don't have symptoms of, of covid-like illness to routinely wear cloth or surgical masks because there's no scientific evidence they're effective in reducing the risk of SARS-CoV-2 SARS transmission. Doctors, I, I mentioned periodically in the show, but these people are speaking up, and part of their speaking up emboldens individuals to speak up. The last thing I'll say, and I will tell you the truth, it kind of pains me to say that, give you this example of the need of people to stand up and saying no. I called this segment tracking and track tracking and tracing here in the gray state of Texas and other places around the country, they're starting to put in place policies so that when you enter a restaurant, you'll be asked for your name, phone number, and email address. So now they know, you know, last Tuesday, 7 PM, these people were in this restaurant and now somebody over here in the restaurant came down with COVID-19. So everybody gets an email, hey, 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 you know, you were near somebody, you, you want to be, yeah, we're giving you a warning, and if you have symptoms, stay home. And it, it snowballs, of course, because if you are told, well, you, you came into contact, you probably had a problem, you know, maybe you should quarantine yourself for two weeks just to be sure. And now they have a system in beginning in places all over the country where when you walk into a restaurant, you know the little uh, barcode style things? They aren't exactly barcodes. Barcodes are what you have in the grocery store in your product, but they're square and they have the you know that black and white pattern in them. Well, they have one for every restaurant or business. And so someone sent me, they had been into a computer-like store, a computer store, and on the door said, before you enter, use your cell phone, take a picture of that, you know, that symbol, that barcode-like thing. So your phone, with all the updates are doing is now saying, oh, I don't even have to ask you for your name and phone number because now I know that you went in this computer store on Thursday at 3 p.m. And I know who else is in the computer store at Thursday at 3 p.m. because we have everybody else in there who also took that picture. 
and I want to make this very, very serious point. Everybody, there are people very, very frightened, very, very concerned, even conservatives I know, very concerned, staying home, wishing that everyone would still stay home, wishing that everyone in the public would wear a mask, everyone would stay home unless they wear a mask, everyone would agree to all of this contact tracing. I'll tell you, even that why it started to say it that, uh, on this story, in the gray state of Texas, they just announced a $300 million contract to some company that's going to establish our tracking and tracing system all over the state and includes for public schools. So your kid goes to school, so the school knows who is there every day. They know where you were, who you ran a contact with, and people, I'm going to tell you, there will be pushback in this state. There's pushback around the country. There will be pushback in Texas because people do not expect to have to tell the government every place they are all the time, even if the government says, I'm doing this for your own good. Every bit of loss of freedom, every surrender of freedom, every decision that says, you know, well, I'm not really asking you to give up your freedom. I just need to know where you are in order to protect us all from COVID-19. I'm just trying to help you people. There will never be any government that comes along and says, that was too much. We're going to stop. We have to nip this whole idea that we're going to surrender our freedom in response to the coronavirus. We have to nip it in the bud right now nip it in the bud right now and we need to be pushing back against our local officials our government officials our state officials to say you know i'm really sorry you just committed to spend 300 million dollars but we refuse to comply and i'll tell you something that's very very important about you know you might be thinking well i'm not elon musk i can't threaten to shut down tesla but you can do things like go into a, gro a grocery store or go into a restaurant and they either ask you to take a picture of that little barcode thing or they ask you to type in on their system your name, email, and phone number. Start to say no. Because I'll tell you right now, the restaurants and the retail outlets in this country are so devastated by this eight to 10 week shutdown. They're so hankering to open again that they're kind of thinking, they're going along with, well, whatever it takes, what, you know, government, just tell me what I have to do. Whatever it takes, I'll do. I just want to open my store. Okay, so I can open my restaurant or open my store? If I just do this, okay, fine, I'll do it. These restaurants and stores are going along. They're giving in to government pressure because they think it's the only way they can survive. They need to be thinking they cannot survive if they attack the privacy of individual citizens. They need to be hearing from citizens like you. Every time you walk in a store or a restaurant, they say, hey, you know, we're just collecting information just in case, coronavirus. And you say, I don't shop at stores that do this. I don't eat at restaurants that do this. If enough people push back, the same restaurants that right now are thinking, I'll do anything the government says to open. I'll do whatever they say because I need to open. If they start to realize, we don't have any business because the people won't come here. Their loyalty to the government, what the government says, is going to flip and they're going to be loyal to the people and they're going to go back to the government and say, you know what, we're going to all go out of business if you make me do this. I can't get my customers to come here. I can't get them to shop. I will die as a restaurant or a store if they won't come here. The owners of restaurants and businesses, you're actually helping them. You're helping them squirm free of regulation that they don't need to be following and of a repressive system that's taking away your liberty, everybody else's. I'll talk more about the contact tracing system going on in Texas right now uh, in a few days. I'm, I'm actually truly deeply hoping, hoping that more pushback, I am aware of some pushback, I hope more is happening because Texas is supposed to be the home of liberty. It's supposed to be the state everybody understands that we are like the leaders of liberty. You know, when they have the, all the talk about America as the, you know, the land of liberty, we always think, well, yeah, Texas is really the land of liberty. We are going over the cliff in Texas the other direction. Putting these contact tracing things in place, contact tracing, tracking everywhere you've been, and thinking that you're somehow standing for liberty, those two things can't be in the same state. There's got to be tremendous pushback by people against this. And again, I want to go back to the famous, this now, the song is going to become famous, I think, by Twisted Sister, where they're writing and, uh, writing and singing this song, We're Not Gonna Take It. This is, uh, I believe it is uh, clip two, Matt. <laughs> 
And that, my friends, Twisted Sister, I love it. And I'm, you know, I know I feel fired up to, I have to tell you, by the time it gets around to Monday, I cannot wait to get in the studio because I, I do my shows, you know, Monday through Thursday. I can't wait to get in. And I really, I, you know, it's a kind of funny thing. I'm, I, I'm a very serious student of American history, a very, very committed patriot to the ideas, the founding ideas of America. I'm very committed to the idea that we have to hold on to liberty in this country. I'm very aware there are leftists in this country. We're going to hear about from one of them in a little while, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. But you have to understand, leftists in this country, as you'll hear AOC say shortly, they have been committed to a collectivist, Marxist, big government controlled society this did not start with Bernie Sanders and AOC. It did not start in the last decade or two decades. We're talking a hundred years of pressure by the left to take this country off its path of freedom, to urge the American people, to inspire the American people, to infect the American people with a, with a disdain for liberty with an idea that somehow liberty is not really that great a thing. And the best thing is to have the government be in control of and provide every single thing for you. This is the leftist mindset. And this is the leftist mindset being carried out today all over this country that because we have a crisis, golly gee, we found a crisis and now we're going to get, you know, we're going to get after these people and we're going to take control while we have the opportunity and still fear and still panic. And we're just going to do this while we have a crisis to take advantage of. So I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm a lawyer by background. I am not a protester. It's not my thing. I am. I have been to like four protests in my whole life. I'm not a big protester, but I'm telling you basic mainstream main street America needs to be wide awake to what the left is doing in response to the coronavirus crisis. Not talking about radicalness and the, the, the media and leftists try to characterize people who are protesting, people who want to have the country reopened, trying to characterize the message that we want to have a free country again, that we want to reopen America as somehow an extreme message. This is so extreme. How could they possibly be saying this? You have to understand these people, these people are watching. I'm talking about the media and the American left watching America surrender its liberty, you know, front and center, right and left. And they're actually trying to claim that people who want to reopen the country, who want to have America function as a free country with a free market system and rights to individuals to live in freedom as radical, extreme and crazy. It's no more radical and extreme and crazy as now as it was at the time of the founding of this country when we recognized tyranny and repression on the part of King George. That spirit of revolution is rising in this country and it should. It's not extreme, it's not radical, it's not far right. It's simply reasserting the goodness of America. The, okay, the next topic I want to hit very quickly. So there's a lot of fuss over the weekend uh, because Donald Trump uh, has now let, he's firing some inspectors general. IG stands for inspector general. And I just want to mention because you, I saw, so they had stories. I will share with you very quickly what he's been doing. He's fired some inspectors general over the past, I guess that's like six weeks or something. But today, Nancy Pelosi announced that she, the House, is going to do an investigation into whether or not Donald Trump has the right to do this. Or, as to use her term, she says Congress will investigate Trump firing the State Department IG because it could be unlawful. Please categorize what she is doing the same way as you did with the entire Trump-Russia collusion hoax which was actually a big fat nothing, a nothing, uh, no evidence of collusion, no evidence of any tying in. In fact, we get into a tomorrow's show talking with Fred Flights, the head of the Center for Security Policy, who is a, a, and who has great uh, life experience working in the intelligence community, pointing out how actually John Brennan, CIA head, early on was aware that Russia was actually citing with Hillary. John Brennan realized Trump wasn't colluding with the Russians. The Russians wanted Hillary to win. 
But Brennan suppressed that. We're going to find out more about that. But back to this story. Just like the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, just like the whole ridiculous you know, impeachment effort over the Ukraine, all this really happening in Washington is Nancy Pelosi saying, oh, I found something else. Maybe I can dupe some American people into thinking that Trump did something wrong because, after all, he dared to fire an inspector general. So to start with, let me just say, if you think he's the only one who's fired an inspector general, you should know that Barack Obama fired an inspector general. And, uh, you know, do you remember the big outrage we had in Washington? Because, uh, you know, Obama wasn't allowed to fire an inspector. Oh, wait, we didn't have any of that. When Barack Obama, President Obama, fired an inspector general looking into his buddy, his ally, the reaction of the media and of Congress was zip zero, nada, nothing. However, when it's Donald Trump, you know, everything is called into question. So I'll tell you very quickly, inspectors general number one serve at the pleasure of the president. That is what they do. It's not like President Trump can fire an inspector general and then not have one anymore. There will be an inspector general. There will be another one. In every agency where they are required by law, they have inspectors general and they will have them again. What's really happening is President Trump is firing some who seem to have decided their job is more like join the get Trump team. And, and I'll tell you another analogy I make about inspectors general, beside that they serve at the pleasure of the president, it's kind of like if you're a sports fan at all and you watch sports and you've seen sports with a ref or an ump and they're making bad calls, one bad call, you go, okay, he probably didn't see it right. But then you're watching bad call, bad call, bad call. At some point, you recognize umpires and refs have tremendous power to exaggerate a tiny little misstep and turn it into the you know, explosion of the week and, and, or a, a really horrible call that changes the outcome of the game. And they have the ability to look the other way when really bad things do happen that they should have called and they don't call it. So if you have a biased ump, if you have a biased ref, you don't have justice in the world of sports. Same thing in the world of inspectors general. So as to the inspector general, Steve Linick of the State Department, which is, what the, which is among the most recent ones, they have, you know, there is an impending investigation um, or talk of an investigation about Secretary Pompeo and some expenses. And, um, and so they can, they'll look into that again. It, it's not a big deal. It's a very minor thing. They, the new inspector general can look into it. But especially when you realize that this guy Linick, Steve Linick, the State Department IG, he's the one that reviewed Hillary's conduct, Hillary Clinton's conduct as Secretary of State when she had a homebrewed server. We all know why. It was to hide things from any possible Freedom of Information Act request, hide things from the State Department, homebrewed server, not permissible by law. Inspector General, the brave Inspector General Steve Linick, you know, does the whole review and says, well, she probably shouldn't have done that. He did not come down the way he would have had he been determined to point out and, and not just point out that it's not permissible for her to do that, but point out all the advantage it gave her over her time as Secretary of State to hide things. He gave her a pass. This is not an inspector general vigorously applying the law. He's also the one who looked into you know, the entire Ukrainian ambassador, Yovanovitch, you remember that name, Yovanovitch, she's the one that came back. She testified in the uh, impeachment trial against President Trump, and she testified she didn't even know anything about Burisma, never heard of these people. And this is the same inspector general, has not come up with, with acknowledging what now has just recently come out. She did so. She knew all about Burisma. She met with them. She talked with people involved with it. So this is a guy who may not be as determined to root out truth as you would want someone to be in that job. So he, President Trump, is deciding we can get somebody new. I'll tell you another complaint inside the State Department is people are saying that some of the high-level officials are saying, you know, they've been questioned sometime, sometimes under Secretary Pompeo about their political uh, mission, their political purpose, like why they're doing certain things. Why are you doing this? People, thank God they are being questioned. You have a State Department, Department of Justice, all sorts of big agencies in Washington 
filled with Obama holdovers who are still doing the Obama agenda. And if these people are griping that Pompeo is finally asking him, them, why are you doing this? Doesn't that seem kind of political? Aren't you driving it this way? Why are you doing this? You have to have that kind of questioning. But if, you got like, if you're going to have a guy like Linick in as inspector general, you're going to end up with making another mountain out of a molehill, which the left will do. The removal of intel intelligence community inspector general Michael Atkinson. That was another one that, would, that is you now President Trump removed. Michael Atkinson is uh, intelligence community. This is one you may recall that even um, you had the um, attorney general Barr demand, uh, uh, spoke up, wrote, wrote something in the Wall Street Journal to speak now, or he was quoted in the Wall Street Journal, defending Trump's firing of the intelligence community inspector general. And basically just saying the watchdog had overstepped his authority by pushing to tell Congress about a whistleblower's complaint concerning Trump's dealings with the Ukraine. Let me add to that. Atkinson's the one that changed the policy that let a whistleblower complaint that didn't meet the standard. It was a, it was a hearsay whistleblower complaint that he wanted so badly to get out there to get Trump that he ignored the very important qualification. We don't take whistleblower complaints that are hearsay because anyone could make something up. I heard that such and such happened. I didn't hear it happen. I heard from somebody else. I don't know. I can't tell you who it was. You can't have hearsay in those very, very serious whistleblower complaints. But this inspector general thought it was okay in the intelligence community. This launched the entire Trump-Russia collusion. I mean, excuse me, it launched the entire impeachment inquiry. So getting at the idea, you know, when Obama fired somebody as a, as a, um, as a member, uh, inspector general, uh, who went after a friend of his, the media had to say, zip, zero, not a nothing. Now that it's Trump, of course, he can't do this. Very glad. I'm sure Trump is going to defend himself. Thank goodness. Closing out the show today, one other quick story I want to do. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I have a really good reason for wanting to share this with you today, but there was a meeting. They had to do a Zoom meeting because they can't meet in person because of the coronavirus. But they had a Zoom meeting in which Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was speaking to, the, uh, to her, her political party, the Democrat Socialists of America, DSA, Democrat Socialists of America. I'm not sure Matt the Wonderful was able to get the precise clip because we had a little trouble with the numbering. We'll see what he got, but even whatever he has, we'll play her saying that, her blathering away, and then um, we'll, I'll tell you what it was that was so interesting about it. So here's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez speaking to America's socialists. Um, but there is that conversation about theory and about, um, and about approach and about discipline that I think does come into play in a structured way. And that is when we talk about using the bullhorn that we do have and using the bully pulpits that we do have to, to elevate gen the general consciousness and to also uh, help, help everyone who is paying attention develop the lenses of analysis necessary to actually analyze power and actually analyze the functions of power, capital, and the organization of power and capital, um, and how that is kind of developing and compounding in the United States. And when people, when we are able to use those lenses to elevate the general consciousness, um, then what we do every time we add a small layer, it's kind of like when you go to class or when you go to school, there are folks that are going to yell and say, you know, why don't you, you know, go from zero to 100 um, on the view or, or what have you. And it's because every time you go to school, right, you don't go to class once and then graduate with a degree. You go for many days at a time, slowly adding layers and layers upon layers. And we use public events. We use current events. Okay. The reason I wanted to play that for you, and I know, I know, I get always get comments and emails. I can't stand her voice. Why do you play her? But I want to make something really clear. We're over here often talking about the coronavirus, talking about Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, talking about the corruption, the FBI, the DOJ. Every day in this country, people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democratic Socialists, are spending their time, as she was just describing to you 
pouncing on every issue, using every public event, every current event, everything she can to vilify America, to push socialism, to urge people to go her collectivist big government route, and often we don't even see what they're doing. Instead of, she, I mean, I couldn't play her whole clip because it might have made me insane, and besides, it was, it, was, it was excruciating, but she talks about all these issues that are going on, and she's urging all these Democrat socialists around the country to take every issue there is, to talk about it in terms of not necessarily here's the issue, let's have socialism as the answer, but as she, as she uses her, you layer things. It's, you know, she, first of all, she's talking about Americans like second graders who have to be lectured by the ruling elite democratic socialists, how they have to be taught how to think through the lens. And by, I'll make another comment about her comments in a moment, but she's getting at, and she is doing, and her allies are doing every day, this endless, endless undermining of the concept of liberty upon which America was founded, the freedom of the individual, the personal responsibility of the individual, the idea we have rights from God simply because we were born. Every day, she and all the leftists are working at undermining, destroying America's embrace and belief in those ideas. And so it behooves us to pay attention, to not think because we're so distracted because of the virus or because of Flynn or because of whatever other issues there are, recognize she's always at it. And you know that I was gonna make one little funny comment about her, that way she speaks when she goes on about, I can't even imitate it well, so I won't try, but she, she says a lot of sentences with a lot of words that have three or four syllables that have no content to them, have no meaning to them. She strings together thoughtful sounding words and, and you, she did a little bit in the clip we played, but she's saying nothing other than she wants to make it sound nice and friendly and thoughtful and deep and all that. She, that she's basically saying, I want to take away America's liberty and I want you Americans to come along with me. She's doing this, Democrat socialists around this country every day. And so we do have to be, what she's talking about is trying to change American thought without them realizing it, which is what she's targeting, what we've got to be targeting is being wide awake to recognizing every little bit of liberty we give up is a little more power given to leftists like her. Last quick thing, she's actually blathered away. This is a first-term congresswoman who was talking about challenging one of the two Democrat senators representing the state of New York, Gillibrand and or Schumer. And she's talking away about, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about running for Senate. She's, you know, drunk on her own power. So there was a poll out uh, as to uh, Senator Schumer. She, uh, if poll, uh, Democrats in New York asked, who would you pick, Schumer or, or her, uh, Ocasio-Cortez? She loses to Schumer, 54 to 21%. As to Gillibrand, she loses 43 to 26%. And I want to say this in closing out the show um, today. People were kind of laughing and jubilant about the idea that in New York, here's AOC, a first-term uh, congresswoman, thinking she could take on long-term senators and win. And so people heard that poll, and they're saying, well, see, there's nothing to it. That's ridiculous. You know, she's a first-termer. She's out of her league. She can't do that. 26% of Democrats in New York, Democrat voters, would pick AOC, pick AOC, over Gillibrand. I'm not saying Gillibrand is that much better, but this is how dangerous the time is in our country to have the state of New York. I know it's a left-wing state, it's a liberal state, it's a big state, but these people are not just, you know, the formerly liberal Democrats, or not just the Democrat party of your grandmother. These are people who would vote for a socialist, a rabid, open socialist, no problem, 26%. That ought to scare you. I'm going to turn, my friends, at the end of the show, as I do every week, and tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start out our show today talking about Elon Musk leading the way, not going to take it, my favorite, new favorite song. Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX is a cultural icon, billionaire, not associated with politics per se, connects with a huge non-boomer segment of America. He's like a new, younger Bill Gates. When he takes a stand for freedom, 
freedom becomes a front burner issue, Musk defied the Oakland Alameda County Health Authorities, opened the CA, the California Tesla factory in defiance of the lockdown, offered to go to jail, announced plans to move Tesla to Texas. Yeah, that'd be fun if that happened. The authorities blinked, Tesla factory reopens. Musk tweeted, take the red pill, wake up from this tyranny. Elon Musk is changing the national mood and conversation in a way neither politicians nor the mainstream media can. Three cheers for Elon Musk. And on Say No to Tracking and Tracing, we're not going to take it. Why it matters to you. Recent COVID-related developments, no spike in the states that opened early. University of Illinois professors who are experts on respiratory illnesses say masks are unhelpful unless a person wearing it is sick. Michigan doctors suing the governor because lockdown inhibits non-COVID patient care. Colorado official to seek criminal indictment of the official who lied about COVID death rate. In face of data showing dwindling pandemic that should never have required lockdowns, Texas signs up for a nearly $300 million tracking and tracing program of everyone with a smartphone just to figure out who's infected, where they've been, who they may have contacted, and then hand down quarantining and house arrest orders. This is a monstrous power grab against freedom. Texans must refuse to comply. Trump firing IGs um, is not a scandal at all. Inspectors general are supposed to be watchdogs for wrongdoing at the agencies they're a part of. They're not supposed to be political partisans. They're not supposed to be agenda-driven, deep state policy hacks. Intelligence community IG Atkinson acted as a political partisan, an agenda-driven, deep state policy hack in improper actions to prop up Ukraine whistleblower, impeachment fraud, Attorney General Barr affirmed grounds for the termination. Obama holdover IGs have been acting as deep state anti-Trumpers. Trump is right to replace them. And on our socialist friend AOC still rolling, on a mission to teach America's children layer upon layer of the glories of socialism, publicly ponders a run for Senate. Polls say she loses handily to Schumer or Gillibrand, but she still gets up to 26% of the Democrat support. She is pathetically ignorant of socialism's evils, but relentlessly vocal and a darling of the mainstream media and radical left. America's restoration will be complete when AOC is unelected by Americans who know better. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for listening Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can you hear us now? America Can We Talk. Truth about America. <laughs>